Welcome back to the Perseverance Podcast. My name is Deshaun Stevens. And I'm Eman Moro. Okay, this week, Eman, we got a special episode. We got our first guest on the show. Who we with? Oh my God, I'm, we with? I'm amped, I'm amped. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go, here we go. Clay Sequera, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the Persevere Podcast. How you doing today, Clay? Man, I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Man, we just want to thank you for uh, coming out, coming on the show today. We got a lot to dive into. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. You know, you were one of the more exciting players, not only in the OUA, but in U Sports this year. And you're a really, I guess, interesting guy in terms of just like people wanting to hear about you and people wanting to like actually hear your voice, hear what you got to say. You know what I'm saying? So um, thank you for coming out. Uh, me and Emad, we got a lot of book for you today. So um, let's get right into it. Let's Pour get right on. into it. So, Clay, you had a good season, bro. Mm-hmm. You had a good season with UFT. Um, UFT, historically, we talked about this before, UFT hasn't really been. The best team for the last 24 years. You're really going to bring it up? I, I'm going to bring it up, man. We're here with the hard hitters, man. Right 20, away. 24 years. 24 years. So UFT has a history of being um, one of the lower tier teams. Um, not, only, not only in OUA, but in U Sports. So first I want to ask you, what made you go to UFT? What brought you to UFT? What brought you to Toronto? The same reason most kids go to UFT, academics. Yeah. Um, I never really saw myself as a Canadian quarterback, honestly. I was in the States. I was at boarding school. Um, and I wanted to stay there. Like most kids who go to the States, you don't want to come home. Um, so I was kind of fielding out offers um, in the States, D3, D2, and no D1 schools came calling. Um, and that's obviously what you want to do. Um, I didn't see the point of playing Division three football, Division two football at that point. I'm going to come home. And to... To be real, I didn't send out any. I didn't send out any tape to any Canadian schools. Um, U of T was the only school that reached out, um, and it made sense with me academically. I was trying to study business, study commerce, and they had a pretty good commerce program. Um, and so it kind of just fell into place. It's not like I really pursued anything. It kind of just the the stars kind of aligned, and U of T was really my only path sort of to play in university football. Um, and so that's kind of that was kind of the reasoning behind my decision between uh, before going to U of T. That's awesome. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, academics is definitely one of the main reasons, right? Yeah. Like U of T, we'll say U of T and Waterloo, and obviously you can, you can add Queens in there, are those top three like academic yeah. schools in the OUA they could talk about where, yeah. hey, football-wise, they may not always be able to attract players, but when it comes to academics, you can guarantee you'll be there. You get a solid education. You can come out with a solid degree, right? Definitely. So wait, what program are you in? So I'm in business. Awesome. I'm, huh? a, I'm a management major, you can say. Yeah. Awesome. How are you liking it? I like it. It's challenging. Um, it. Listen, it, it it takes up a lot of your time, especially as a football player. It's hard, but uh, I like it. I'm enjoying it, man. It's it's going well. That's good. Um, what campus are you at? I know at UFT there's three different yeah. campuses. There's Scarborough, Saga, and yeah. St. George. Where are yeah, you at? It's a little, it's a little, it's a little weird. Um, I'm on the downtown campus, University okay. of St. George. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. So let's get into the football business. Let's get into football business. Let's get All into right, here it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, you've been a starter now. How long have you been a solid starter for UFT? Three, a solid starter. Call, like it's it, your team. call it three and a half years. Three and a half years. Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half. Two so and a half years. That half year, who was the starter? Who started the season as a starter? Um, they brought in a Washington State transfer to start over. Connor me. Ennis, right? Connor Ennis. Connor Ennis. So the first question I want to ask you is this. As a Canadian, yeah. all right, you're here, you're in Canada, right? This is where you feel at home, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, probably that offseason – Going to that offseason, you're probably thinking, hey, this is my opportunity to, to be the starter finally, break through, get my opportunity to play, get my opportunity to show what I can do. For you now, how do you feel um, as a Canadian coming in, hearing that there's a NCAA Division One transfer 
quarterback coming to UFT to give you competition for your spot. How did that make you feel that offseason? Um, to be honest, at the time, I was excited for the competition more than anything. Um, was was I frustrated? 100%. I wanted the job. I want, But at the same time, like I understood that I probably wasn't ready at that time. I probably wasn't ready to start at that, at that moment, and I think the coaches realized that. And so I think um, they purposely brought him in to compete with me, and to I think they wanted to give Connor the keys to sort of the the car. The, the, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, man, like I definitely wasn't happy at the time. Um, but we competed, man, and honestly, in training camp, I could I could truthfully say like he won the job. He won the job over me. Um, did I think I was given a, exactly a fair chance at that starting job? Probably not. Um, I think the the reputation sort of uh, taint, sort of tarnished people's perceptions of 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 the actual talent that was at hand. Um, and so I think like at the time I sort of saw myself as like the second year quarterback who kind of had talent and potential but wasn't fully there yet, right? Um, and I think the coaching staff realized that. And I think bringing Connor in at the time seemed like a solid move. You get a, a high end D one transfer coming to U of T. You don't you don't get that barely ever, right? So um, I got it, like, message loud and clear. I still competed, and I continued to compete throughout the year, and eventually I won the job. Um, it probably took me a bit longer than uh, <laughs> yeah, I wanted, though. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, looking yeah. back at it, do you think it made you the player who you are today? A hundred percent. I think um, that competition, if, if you're just going to fold and let and just kind of accept the circumstances that are given to you. And there's, we talked about it, right? A lot of the times it's opportunity. Um, and a lot of times guys aren't given that opportunity, right? But I was given an opportunity to sort of, I had the chance, like right? either you're going to compete or you're going to just Perfect. accept your fact, accept the, the reality of being a backup your whole time there. Um, and I competed, man, every week, every time I was given an opportunity, I made sure like I can showcase the things um, that I was, I don't know, able to do. Um, and so that's the biggest thing. Like, if you're given the opportunity, you got to take advantage of it because as soon as you let it slip, you can't just expect for it to come back, right? So absolutely, 100. Um, no, that's 100 percent true. I could tell you straight up going to that off season. That time I used to play receiver. Yeah. And um, that time I was looking for schools to transfer to, and I'm talking to U of T, and I'm like, "Who's your quarterback?" And they say, "We got a Washington State quarterback coming in. Oh, we yeah. got a Washington State coming." And I'm like, "Damn, that's that's cool." Yeah, right. NCAA transfer, yeah, right? It was hype. And so that was, I think, that off season was probably the most buzz I've ever heard U of T have, you know, over the last yeah, couple man. of years. But then as the season progressed, um, obviously, you guys would go do that little quarterback rotate switch in and out, yeah. right? Yeah. And to be honest, I just remember. That the team that I played for at that time, I'm just gonna say the team that I played for at that time, um, standing on the sidelines and saying, "Yo, who's number six, right? Who's number six? You know what I'm saying? Because number six can ball. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, so I, I think at that time, like that season, when you had that competition, um, you know, with Connor Ennis, even though, like, like we said, like there was that sort of like bias in sense because you know you, you got the American guy coming, it, it's it, the glitz and the glamour. Um, there's no doubt that when you got your opportunities, like you showed what you can do, yeah. and you left an impression, you know. And even even with the quarter, the coaching switch, when um you had a new head coach come in, and you know it was a, a whole different thing. It was it was, we know who our guy is going forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I think you left a good impression, you know. So, it definitely did. Like like you said, it definitely did help make you who you are today, man. It was pretty cool. A hundred percent. And that's the, the the tricky part is um that whole quarterback rotation thing. As much as it kind of gives you that opportunity to showcase yourself it's tough man like you never know which drive is yours right yeah. so it's like you go into a given game you're expected like split time and yeah 
as a quarterback, like it's yeah. different in other positions, right? Like you, you don't really need to like get into the groove of the game as much. As a quarterback, man, it's rhythm. all momentum, it's all rhythm. Um, and so when you're kind of like one drive here, one drive there, and 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 it's it's all level Connor and like all level Coach Soraya and stuff. Of course, um, of course. But yeah, like it, it was tough. Like that was probably the hardest part is like the mental side of it, like trying to dial into a game and then you'd be on the sideline for like two quarters yeah. and you're all of a sudden you're thrust back in the game. Yeah. Like that stuff's hard for 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 quarterback development to me. And so like, I saw that this year with Queens, right? With uh was it Lacandro and I think Keenan. Yep. Um and it's tough. I mean, it's I have mad respect for those two because that's hard. I mean, it's hard to have to prep and you don't know when you're going to that game, but you got to prepare every single drive as if like it's yours, right? So, um as much as it is um, the competition kind of helped me get to where I was today, I do wish I was given sort yeah. of like that leash. Absolutely. Could, like, like, not like a like that kind of extended leash where like, you know what, go out and make, go make mistakes. We're not, in a, we're not in a playoff position at this point. Like, go learn. And Absolutely. that's kind of wish I, what I wanted a bit more. But um, listen, I'm happy with where I am now. So Exactly. You are where you are now, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's all about the ending. It's all about the process. Exactly, it's, all about, exactly, it's all about the end goal, exactly. right? But let's talk about something that happened, you know, during the journey. So after your third year, yeah, you get the call to go to East West. Yeah, tell us about that experience. Um, I was kind of the the quarterback in the group who everyone was like, "Who the? Can I swear on this podcast? No, 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 no sorry, no, no, no sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> like who, who, <laughs> who the hell? I've been, I've been yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> everyone was like, "Yo, who is this kid?" Right? Yeah. Like, cause I had like four starts under, maybe like four or five starts under my belt. Um. And I was just kind of like the kid who like no one really had heard of. Um, I think that kind of got the impression that like, oh, by necessity, like I kind of got the invite, which is fine, man. However way you're going to get there, you're going to get there. Yeah. Right? Um, but East West was awesome. It gave me the confidence. I looked around me. These are the best quarterbacks in the country for my age. And I looked at all of them and I was able to sort of compete with them and show that I'm just as good as these kids. Right. If not better. Right. So um, East West was huge for me personally building that confidence more than anything scouting recruiting all that all that stuff aside it gave me the fire and the sort of like the the, the self-confidence to be like you know what like i'm there's nothing holding me back from being a ball in this league but myself so awesome and and from that experience um just being there this year was in ottawa it was at carlton right this past year it was at carlton, it was at carlton yeah. yeah so just being able to work with different coaches, like how was that? Because like you're working with coaches from yeah, man. teams all over, you yeah. know, new sports. It's not just your, your normal coaches that you're used yes. to. How was it just being gang like that? It was cool. It was cool. You got a lot of different perspectives. You got coaches who've kind of been around the league a little bit. I was working with um, the special teams coordinator on the Ticats. What's his name? Um, Coach Reinbold, Jeff Reinbold. He's yeah. like a CFL legend, right? And this guy's spend three days with me working. We're, we're working like quarterback indies, right? This guy's got like tremendous insights, stuff that you don't hear kind of conventionally. Um, and just to be able to work with guys like that for a week, it, it, you, you see a development in your game. You see yourself making that next jump, and it helps you kind of – the game kind of slows down for you a little bit. Um, but, yeah, man, like the coaching I received at East-West was special. It really was. It was, it was really good. And you're just looking around the room, and you can just see you, – you recognize him, right? Yeah. I think our head coach was um, – Coach, Coach Constantine, right? And oh, I, uh, Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laval. Wait, Laval, Laval. Yeah, yeah, Glenn yeah. Constantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. So, like, I grew up in Quebec. Like, I grew uh, up. Okay. I grew up watching like that kind of football a little bit. So, like, I kind of revered him a bit. It's kind of cool to have him as your head coach a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was cool. It, it was actually a really good experience. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know is like during this entire process as well. Are there like are there there's CFL scouts there? Yeah. And 
they're not just there for the game, right? That happens on the last day. The East West is a week's worth of stuff, right? 100%, so you, yeah. you got your practices, you got your one on ones, you got your indies, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, how was it for a whole week, like going through these practices, um, with like obviously U Sports coaches and CFL coaches, like th- like practices where you're allowed to make mistakes, practices where you're at your rawest self, right? Yeah. How was it kind of like being in practice all week and having like being under the eye of CFL coaches? So for me, like I, I think there's probably more pressure on other players because they were kind of known. For me, man, it was a blessing being this like sort of like the unknown guy, hidden per yeah. like no one had no idea who I was, right? So I felt no pressure all week, man. I know a lot of guys kind of felt that they had been ranked, they had been all these things, like they gotten a lot of interest. Like for me, I had nothing to lose. Like I couldn't. It's not like I I came there with expectations. Um. So that helped me a lot with my game because I just got to play loose, right? Got to be pretty comfortable over there. Um, and so that that kind of helped me a lot. I think that was kind of unique to me. Uh, I think a lot of guys, especially the quarterbacks, had a lot more hype than I did, right? So for me, like, it was just – it was pretty easy just going there and just playing the game because I didn't think about any of that stuff because I didn't think it applied to me. Yeah. Okay. So were you more aggressive, like – yeah, I t- yeah. yeah, man. I was taking sh- like I was taking shots like in Skelly and like team. I would be taking I'd be trying to throw some balls that like guys might have taken like the easy completion they wanted the completion. Like I got nothing to lose. Uh, I'm 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 gonna try and showcase my talent because there's literally no downside. There's there was probably no downside for me at the time, right? So um, that's where it was a blessing to kind of be that hitting that hitting guy in the group. You you can kind of play more loose. That's no that that's like a. Entirely different way to look at it. Yeah, I, said, yeah, <laughs> I never yeah, thought about it like that. Yeah, I never once thought about yeah, like that. Instead of the hitting guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, question. Real small question. Sure. Who's your favorite receiver at East West to play with? Ooh, I, I had a, a really good connection with uh, Ente. Ente, Ente yeah, yeah, Laurie, Laurie. I don't want to try and pronounce yeah. his last name, <laughs> but yeah, he was. That kid is, man. His speed is 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 out of this world. I just sort of throw the ball up to him, and he'd come down with every single one, right? Um. But yeah, no, and that kid's that kid's special. That kid's fat. That kid's fast as hell. So, um, yeah, I'd say I'd say him. But there are a couple good receivers on my team. Um, I'm gonna butcher some names for sure. <laughs> uh, there's a kid from Acadia who's pretty good. Um, and then the, there's I had a couple Laval kids. I think uh, Pivet and Breton Robert maybe. Those kids are good as well. Um, uh, my whole receiving core was, was obviously yeah, really of course, good. of and, course. And, that's where I felt, and then sort of seeing my receiving core there, and then coming back to U of T, my guys at U of T matched up just as well <laughs> with those guys, right? So that kind of gave me uh, that was kind of cool too to see. But uh, yeah, man, Ente Ente was my guy that week. He uh, he caught everything I threw to him. So hey, man, Ente. Uh, well, first of all, let's just say Laurie is known for having like great just receiving the, cores, the whole right? receiving core. You can go ridic- on and on and on, right? Yeah. So um, I'm not surprised for him to say that Ente's like yeah, he's, Ente's he's filthy. He's nature. filthy. But um, okay. So you go to East West. You come back from East West. You're getting ready for the 2019 season. Yeah. All right. At this point in time, let's say it's July 2019. No one is expecting UFT to make any noise in the OUA this year. Yeah. No one is expecting UFT to be a team to to be the top 10 team or let alone make top 10. Right. You know, no one's expecting none of that. Right. Expecting the same bottom tier team. All right. Here we go. You come back from East-West, all right? You're practicing, you're doing whatever you normally do with your team in the offseason. Where is the change now? Where is the change that you see in your mindset, your approach towards 
working out with your teammates, training with your teammates, um, going through those indies, easy ups, all that stuff. How are you trying to make your teammates better now? Now that you've taken what you've learned at East West and you're applying it now to your normal program well, at UFC. Well, so then further to East West, I did that internship at uh, with Argos for three weeks, right? Yeah. Um, so then you get to, I kind of get that firsthand exposure to CFL starters and CFL quarterbacks, and you kind of see the difference from where I'm at and where they are, um, and kind of how they command their offense and how they command a locker room. Um, and so you kind of take bits and bits and pieces from that. But I think a lot of it was just a mindset, man. Like, we were in a lot of close games, like, the year prior, and we kind of knew the talent we had in the locker room. Like, we, if no one else is going to believe in us, then the last thing, we like, all we're going to do is believe in, in ourselves, right? Um, and so we kind of, like, we, we embrace that underdog mentality. Like, we love it. Like, we love going into every game being the underdog because, like, kind of like what I said about um, East-West, like, there's nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, we got, yeah. we got We got no expectations on us. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of embrace that, man. Like we we love we love being doubted because we've been doubted our whole times at U of T. Like my whole time there, we've been doubted, been overlooked, right? Um, and so we kind of just embraced it and kind of we were able to play like very loose this year. Um, so I think in the off season, um, a lot of it was just we kind of knew, like we kind of felt it, like we kind of knew we were gonna have a good season. We we can tell we were practicing well. We believed in our offensive system, um, and defensively we felt like we were strong. And it was just kind of like this sort of unifying, I don't know, sentiment on the team that like we we just knew stuff was going to go down this year. And I'm not saying like we, we blew teams out of the water. We still went two and six, right? Yeah. So, um, but man, it's it, it's a different it's a different feeling that I've had in years past because I've been on an 0 and 8 U of T team. Yep. I've been on a 1 and 7 U of T yep. team. This 2 and 6 team, it's different. You feel it. We were in every single game. You, it, it's just a different sentiment, and it's a different um, sort of compete that I hadn't felt in years past. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of those situations where yeah, you went two and six, but you weren't a true two and six. It wasn't a true two and six, yeah, right? Man. It just it just came down to end of the game. Some, stuff some like of that. those losses at the end, uh, yeah, I, I'm st- I, they still hurt, right? So um, yeah, we could have easily been a five and three team. Yeah, absolutely. At the very Agreed. least, right? So um, that's where a lot of Guys, it's easy for it's easy to look at our record and sort of gaff at it, and laugh, whatever it is. Um, but man, we were close. I'm gonna say this first of all: if there is any defensive player or any player this season right now preparing for next season in the OUA, looking at UFT and laughing, then they're not serious. Yeah. <laughs> they're not serious. Yeah. You can't be looking at UFT after last year, despite yeah. the two and six. You can't be looking at them and 100%. laughing, right? Yeah. But Emad, pull up Clay Sequeira stats from the 2019 season. Let's hear what Clay Sequoia stats them ready were. To go. Got them ready to go. So uh, with a 54% completion rating, Ugh. okay, uh, you led, I believe you led in uh, yards per game, Yeah. which is quite impressive, and total yards, of course, as well, uh, with 24 touchdowns, nothing mm-hmm. to slouch at. Like, this guy really did lead mm-hmm. the league in a lot of m- categories. Um, so just kind of just gauging that. How, how, how can you tell us like why did the two and six not translate to individual stats? Um, well, I think, I think our offense in, in in moments where we kind of needed success, we might have faltered at times. Um, I think uh, that's that's kind of the 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 issue with being one of these teams where um we haven't really enjoyed success we have never had to play with like the lead or anything um there are a couple times this past season where we kind of be 
put into these situations that we've all never had to experience before. And so when you're, when that's sort of new to you and it's foreign to yeah. you, um, there'd be times where we kind of needed to make a play and we didn't. Um, so I, I don't want to blame it on that, but I, I think there are a couple moments. Honestly, you can break down each game to moments. Like we're a young team, so like a fumble in the red zone or a turnover in the red zone, um, going for it on th- little things like that that like dictate the outcome of a game. Like a little, like they're honestly they're very very little things. Um, you guys just need to fine tune a hundred percent. It's 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 the matter of being a, a young team that. Um, that doesn't necessarily have the, the 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 insight as to how to win those close games yet, yeah. and that'll come with experience. Like, don't get me wrong, that'll come. Um, but man, we're we're relying on first and second year guys on the O line to step up and, and and make sort of be like shoulder the load. We're, we're relying on like pretty young guys on defense as well to make um, to, to to sort of be like the, the the foundation of the team, right? So. I think uh, that'll come with with maturity and with age. But if I were to pinpoint our our record to a, a couple of moments, it's just like a couple of small things that you look back at the you look back at the tape, man. It's like third and one on like the three yard line, or sorry, third and goal on the that. three yard line, and we got stuffed. Like yeah. li- like little things like that that like you end up losing the game by four points. So you score that touchdown, the game's over. Um, so it's like it's it's little things like that that. It, they don't jump out to you, but if you watch the tape, it's just it's it's little like fine tuning those those moments, right? Question. Statistically, I'm gonna say this. Statistically, you were the best quarterback in the nation this year. Okay. Yeah. There's no debate. There's no ifs ands. There's no buts. The difference between you and the second person, there's a lot. There's a huge difference there. Yeah. yeah. Is this your best work? Was the 2019 season your best work? No, the best work is to come. Yeah, uh, the best so, work is yet to come. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. This is just the. I'll say this is like the the first year of notice. Granted, next year is my last year, so yeah, you should expect bigger and better. One one hundred percent. What game was it where you looked at yourself and said, "Wow, like I'm dominating. I can do this." What game? What was that game where that? What was that game that was that act of reassurance? I gave you that reassurance, like, "Okay, I could bang with everyone. I could bang with any team." Um. I don't want to uh, listen. I think we started our week with uh, Waterloo and yeah. and Windsor, and so when you have success against those teams, no disrespect to those teams at all, but um, you never really, you can't really gauge how good you guys are offensively or how good your season's going because let's Agreed. be real, like yeah. those aren't the best defenses you're gonna oh, see. Absolutely. So I think that Laurier week, um, when I, I I think I had a, a stat line aside, I, I threw a couple touchdowns um, and we won the game, right? Um, that's after that game that's kind of when i realized that yeah i'm i know i can not only compete uh, i know i'm probably gonna i don't know i think this season will be special i kind of had that that feeling um and i think as a team that's where we we kind of realized like man if we could beat the number 10 team in the country that everyone believed would smack us yeah and then there's no one, there's no opponent, both like for me personally, like there's no defense and like as a team, there's no team that we'll see that we'll ever, be, we'll ever be afraid of. Yeah. And then after that, after that Laurier game, so you beat them yeah. at, in their house, right? Yeah. In Waterloo. Right. And then you get ranked top 10. Yeah. Right. Which was an amazing moment for UFT. We talked about yeah. on the page, you know, first time in 24 years. Yeah. Right. We weren't even alive back then. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was cool. Um, And then. Things got a little hard, right? That's when you that's when you 
those close games, yeah. and that's when the experience came in. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. You finish the season strong, okay, statistically, individually. You finish the season strong, right? Honestly, I'm not even going to say individually. As a team, you, you finish the season strong, right? You were the top quarterback in the nation, but then you had the top two receivers in the nation, right? Yeah, so yeah, man. That's, that's something that we've never really seen before, right? Yeah. You, normally, you have the number one quarterback and then number two number one receiver, number two receivers from another team, but then number one quarterback. Yeah, we got one and two. Yeah, you got one and two, right? Um, but here's the thing now. Um, season ends. And I'm saying to myself, I want Clay Square to win MVP. I want Clay Square to be OUA MVP. I want Clay Square to be. I want Clay Square to be OUA All Star, All Canadian, and put him on. And, and that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, that shocked me, right? To see that. Okay, MVP is one thing. Okay, you can have arguments here and there, but like OUA All Star, not even OUA All Star, not even second team OUA All Star, first team OUA All Star. Um, so here's my question. So when the awards came out, right, at the end of the season, and you learned that you weren't getting, let's just say, OUA All-Star, mm-hmm. right? Let's be humble. Yeah. OUA All-Star, right? Yeah. Even though you were yeah. the best. Even yeah. though you were the best. Yeah. What's going through your mind? How do you feel? <laughs> I'm going to be real. I'm not, I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, do, do I let it eat, eat me up inside? Am I, am I losing sleep over it? No. Um, it's not that important to me. Obviously, you want to be like rewarded, and you want to feel like appreciated, that kind of thing. Um, at the end of the day, that's not my goal. Like, I I'd much rather be a playoff team than no UA All Star. Do I think I deserve the OUA All Star? One hundred, a hundred percent. No disrespect to Trey. Trey had a great season. No disrespect to Chris. Chris had an amazing season as well. Um, do I think there's a bit of bias when it comes to the selection, yeah, they both play for winning teams. It's true. They they both play for winning teams. Um, and so when you play for a two and six team, the argument is, oh, they went two and six. They only won two games. Like, how can you justify giving an all star or even an MVP to a kid who went two and six? And f- my response to that is, turn the film on, look at the numbers, and do your homework, because that's true. Man. <laughs> like it's that's true, all man. it is. It, it's it's not as si- it's not as simple as like when you go eight and zero. Or when you go like seven and one, it's and you had a decent season quarterbacking. Like, true, doesn't mean you're the most valuable player. Doesn't mean you're an all star. It's just it's you're true, on you're man. on a you're on a, a a team that is more experienced and I, I don't know whatever it is. But, um, yeah, was I did I feel slighted? A hundred percent, I did. Um, but like, am I gonna let it like consume me? No, no. And I'm actually I'm I'm proud of those two guys that they got it, and I think they deserved it as well. So uh, that's the other thing. Like, uh, they both deserve to be an all-star just as much as I did. And so that's just the nature of the, the game, right? It's footballs can be political sometimes. So I'm used to it. Like, uh, you go to U of T, you're used to being overlooked. Like, this isn't new to us, right? It's not new to me either. So Honestly, yeah. I'll say what you're going to say, Emac. No, I'm just talking to you for half an hour. Like, just trying to, like, pick your brain and just, like, seeing how you're kind of, like, thrown with, like, these obstacles, like, starting, like, in the beginning of your career at UFT, and you go to the East-West that you're not, rec- like, you, you're not known as well this year, you know, and, you know, telling telling us about, like, your personal aspect, like, what is your mantra? Like, what, how do you go about your day, your life, your... <sighs> Man, I'm just, I, I've, I've sort of used to, like, I think... I kind of give uh, a lot of credit to my parents for sort of raising me to keep fighting. I've always been a fighter in all my sp- every. I've, I used to be a, a hockey goalie, and I used to be the same way. Um, the way the kind of the way I played, but 
I, I just, uh, I don't really care for the, the, the public perception. It's more just like internally, it, it comes, it has to come from inside, right? If, if, if you're seeking validation from, from external places, then you're probably never going to be happy. And so for me, it's, it, it's more of like a, a, it's a fight from within because I've been so used to being like overlooked and slighted. So it's like, that fire burns, it, 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 it burns strong all the time. And even when I'm afforded like opportunities, like I, I know that like tomorrow can come and I can, that opportunity can slip away. Right. So, um, I think just like the, the, just having been like overlooked my entire athletic career and having been like the sort of like the next, like, like not the first choice, but like maybe like the second choice, like yeah like that that hurts like it's always hurt my whole career and like that's what kind of drives me to always like prove myself and like especially on the field like I'm gonna show you why you're wrong I'm gonna let you know that you are wrong and uh so that the whole the whole uh OUA call it all-star snub thing um and that just adds fuel to a fire like I I'm I'm, almost, I'm happy it happened because I just get another season of just like burning intent like just like motivation and just the desire to prove people wrong again because I'm so freaking used to it, right? Look out. You know, look out, <laughs> look, look out, out, look out. <laughs> but uh, no, well, honestly, looking back on uh, the snub, right? Quote, yeah, unquote, the snub. Sure. Um, really what it does is it just kind of adds to the continuation of what you went through at East-West because at the end of the day, you don't have no accolades on your name. So again, you're going to be going into whatever situation you're in next year playing with nothing to lose, Yeah. right? Because no one's going to look at Clay Square and say, this is the former OUA MVP, or this is the former All Canadian or the former All Star, right? So again, you know, if and if people want to forget what you did, former snub, right? Yeah. If, you, if people if people want to forget what you did, then you'll just remind them, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Man, yeah. But um, no, honestly, again, like w one thing I always look at is um, whatever path you may take, right? We all have our goals, sure. right? We take certain paths, different paths to get there, but it's about the end goal, okay? The path that you've taken now has been like the Troy, the story of like a true underdog, all right? The story of someone that's truly been overlooked. But it seems as though you have the opportunity to get the same end goal that you've always wanted, which is playing potentially professionally. Yeah. So you're going to the CFL Combine this year, yeah. correct? Awesome. So first of all, congratulations to you for, for being invited to the Regional Appreciate Combine that. because that's a huge like accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. for someone like coming from a program that has been through a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, hasn't been has there hasn't been a lot of consistency over the years. You haven't had like a, a outstanding season as a team in terms of like record wise or whatever. Sure. But for you to be invited to CFL Combine, it says a lot about you as a player, you, you your leadership, and really your potential to the next level. So congratulations to you on that. I appreciate that. that. So here you go. You're faced with the opportunity to to reach that same end goal, right? That every quarterback in this country is fighting for, right? Yeah. What are you most excited about going into the CFL Combine this year? Just the opportunity for coaches to see sort of um, sort of showcase my talent to these coaches because um, I think they can kind of see it on film. But um, I just want the opportunity for them to see because I, I, I honestly I feel a bit – I was talking about this earlier. Um, I'd love the opportunity to be at the National Combine, right? I yeah. want to be throwing against the, the best guys or the quote-unquote the best guys who have been yeah. invited to the, to, to the National. Um so I'm excited to just, again, be loose and just sling the ball around the field because, again, I didn't think I'd ever – obviously, like, I saw myself sort of being a, a, a being successful in this league, but 
but again like there's nothing for me to lose in this combine like I, the fact that I was invited is a, is a blessing to me so um I'm just excited for coaches to come out and like I had these eyeballs on me now um I'm excited because I've sort of been the guy who like I have to get the eyeballs to me yeah so now they're here so now it's like uh, I'm excited to finally have to see an occasion here where I'm either gonna rise up or I'm gonna fall that I'm ex- I know um I'm I'm super excited to have the opportunity to like finally showcase talent where like I think I have been credited like that opportunity and I'm excited for that um yeah man honestly just being able to throw the ball around the field and just like showcase my stuff because that's that's what's going to turn the heads so oh, that's awesome man. yeah and especially it's cool for you man because being the uft quarterback combines at uft you get to you get to throw on your own field exactly right? it's, my home, it's my home turf right yeah. so um i think th- there'll be some friends in attendance i'm hoping my family comes down as well um so it'll be it'll be cool it'll it'll, it'll be cool to do it at uh kind of on your home ter- on your home turf um yeah, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be well. Gonna be fun. Hopefully, a lot of people come out to see you. I know we're gonna be there. Yeah, me and Eman are gonna be there. We're gonna be doing a lot of videos, doing a lot of interviews. We're gonna mm-hmm. catch an interview with you. Hundred um, percent. When, when you're there, but we're looking forward to that. Um, so you're getting ready for combine now. This is it. This is your opportunity. Tell us, uh, how how much has your training regime stepped up? How much has your your workout your work ethic stepped up? A lot. I mean, I'm on the field probably every day. Um. So I got some guys on my. No one else is on my team is doing um, doing the combine. So um, I got some. I got some guys who are doing uh, East West this year. So I got guys like Corby. I yeah. got guys like Love Grove. I got like my receiving core, um, and we're getting extra work in. We have. I mean, we have scheduled workouts every day. So I'm, I'm in the gym every day. I'm on the field pretty much every day, but you got to find time on the side to do even more than that, right? So the the tricky thing is. Um, in my position, I'm learning a new offense, and I'm trying to prepare for the combine. Um, so it's kind of a balance between like maintaining your spot as like the leader of the team and sort of like trying to refine things and prepare for next season. But I also got to look after myself, right? So that's where like the workouts on the side with uh, with the guys on the team, um, and sort of like trying to refine. And you you, you got to work your in the gym, right? You, there's there's some things that the, the CFL is looking for, and like some of the testing components that um, you sort of need to put time aside to to to, to prep for. Um, but yeah, that's where it's a little tricky. The the, the balance between like um, preparing for next season and sort of like in the short sight, like trying to get uh, some 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 notice at the combine, and then mm-hmm. ideally, man, um, just maybe get drafted or if yeah. not even just an invite to a training camp again where i can just like just sh- prove myself it really is is just is the end goal but um yeah man the 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 training regime has definitely stepped itself up some lifestyle changes for sure um in the interim and i think pro- probably for the next little bit um so that's been that's been uh definitely a a, a pretty cool adjustment um and it's it's been uh it's been it's been a test of of my kind of dedication and determination to see like how how strictly I can follow that regime right, um, because you know like there's you're in the city of Toronto it's easy to have fun it's absolutely, easy to kind of go absolutely. out and that kind of thing and so it's like yeah. it's uh you gotta sort of not nip it in the butt but like find a way to like keep yourself entertained but. Uh, you can't be going out if, if 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 you're trying to if your goal is to be a professional football player you can't Absolutely. be getting you know so um i think we've we've been pretty regimented in, in how we've been prepping for uh for the big day so okay let's say you're in a situation where 
you come back, mm-hmm. right? I'm gonna be real with you. So UFT, they started this rebuild a couple years ago, sure. and now I think what it appears to a lot of people in the football community is that UFT has gotten over the hard part of the rebuild. It seems as though there is success on there's something good on the horizon. Yeah. Right. Um, what does that success? What does that good part of the horizon look like for you personally, as I'd say probably the leader of this team? Right. What does that look like for Clay Sequeira? Right. Like you come back next year, your final year. What does that cap off of the rebuild look like for UFT under your your time as, as a Varsity Blue? Being a playoff team, that's been the goal my whole time being here and that's what we've been sort of seen as like that's like the 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 point of validation where it's like okay like we've put all this work in we've recruited well we've done all these things and like that's like if we can be a playoff teams i think it's been what like 30 years yeah that to me is like the next step um do i think we're a yates team 100 percent. i think we're a yates team do i think we're gonna win the yates cup next year there's there's a chance yeah but like let's be let's be realistic we're not gonna go 30 years without making the playoffs and then all of a sudden you're gonna win the eighth cup it's a process i think um a good a good for me to leave my quote-unquote legacy at U of T would to be to sort of lead the team to a, a playoff victory even just a, a playoff appearance man like that's that's to 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 even think about like a playoff game at varsity stadium man we haven't seen that in 30 years and so we're all salivating at that opportunity um and if you were to ask me that, like my first or second year, like you ever think you'd play a playoff game at UFT? I'd look at you and say, no, there's no, there's no freaking chance. But now that like I've we we've sort of realized that it's so attainable and it's 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 within our reach, that to me will be like the defining piece and like the next step of like this this new and refined UFT team. So wow, honestly, as I sit here hearing you say that, I'm excited. Just the <laughs> I yeah because no. The idea of of the idea of a playoff game at Varsity Stadium, like Varsity, let's let's be real. Varsity Stadium is probably the most beautiful. It's clean. Yeah, it's the most beautiful stadium in the OUA. I don't care about Western. I don't care what Matt got. I don't care what Waterloo got coming up in the next they couple years. They don't have the CN Tower in they, the background. Exactly. Right? They don't got the yeah. CN Tower in the background. You got this, you got Bloor Street. It looks yeah. beautiful, right? Um, and just at normal regular season games, you got you guys got a pretty good turnout, right? In terms of just fans that come out, even in the toughest days of the program, yeah, right? So to have a playoff game happening in Toronto, OUA football playoff game is big, and it's a great thing for the community. And honestly, we got two football programs here, like in this city. The other football program does not seem to be on that path. You guys seem to be on that path, yeah. right? And so for me personally, as a Toronto native, right? Toronto native, Eman, a Toronto native, right? I think um, we can say, like, we want to see that for the city, yes. right? That would be so cool for the city, and it will be just so cool to help UFT get integrated back into the community because um, from a sports standpoint, it's hard for UFT and we'll just say the Red School to, um, to, really, to really get that sports spotlight in Toronto, right? I mean, let's, let's be real. Like, out of all the OUA schools, no other OUA school has an NBA team. No other OUA school has a – well, I mean, you got Carlton – Ottawa, they got the, the Senators, but no other OU school has an NHL team. Um, CFL, I mean, McMaster got, you know, um, the Tiger Cats, but MLS, exactly, like, MLS the list goes on, you know, like MLB, yeah. right? So it's hard for you, for y'all to get community support, yeah, man, because you're, you're competing with professional sports, yeah. Um, but for y'all to get back on that playoff 
that playoff spotlight um, would really help just integrate you guys back into the community and be accepted by the community. 100%. You know, so really and truly, as a Toronto, as a Toronto native, I'm rooting for UFT because I want to see that for the community. I want to see that for the city, right? I, that would be amazing to see, you know? Yeah. So honestly, power to you for that. Um, so here we go. Tell us a little bit about your two top two receivers, Nolan Lovegrove, Will Corby, because a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, when I had my rant about how you know you didn't you didn't get the awards I thought you should have got, yeah, I was saying, hey, nobody knew who Nolan Lovegrove was coming <laughs> yeah. into this season. Yep, right. And Will Corby, unless you know who his brother was, yeah, you yeah. don't know who Will Corby is. Yeah, you see sure, what I'm saying? Sure. So. Tell us about Nolan Lovegrove and Will Corby. Like, how are they just working with? What's their work ethic like? How are they like in practice? Uh, well, and, and compare them to really just receivers you've played with in the past at East West and in other settings. Like, how are, are they like some of the best receivers you've played with in your career? Uh, most definitely, man. Yeah. Those guys match up with anyone in the league. I, th- I I firmly believe we have the best receiving core in the, in the country. It starts with Will and Nolan, but the list goes on. Like Daniel, your daddy, Mike yep. Lamon, like. Uh, um uh what's his name there's there's the list like honestly the list goes on right so um i think like if you look at our starting five um i think like the success was mainly shared between will and uh and nolan but yeah those guys are special talents and they do things differently will's one of the fastest players i've ever played with he catches everything um he's more of your vertical guy though you know he's he's a vertical threat um he's impossible to cover one-on-one and Nolan's probably the craftiest route runner I've ever seen in my life. And he also is, is is a gamer. He catches everything. And so having those two guys is, I think defensively, it's how like how do you game plan to stop two, just breakout receivers who can take over a game at any moment, right? And so then you you have those two guys, and then you have Mike and Dear Daddy who are, again in their own right, fantastic and can do so many different things. It's like. A lot of my success, like I've enjoyed a lot of success this year, but a lot of it is attributed towards them, and they made me look, they made me look good, and that's no disrespect to the O line. The O line did their their part this <laughs> yeah, year too, yeah. um, and our run game. But um, man, those guys make those guys make me look good a lot of the time. Uh, if, again, if you put the film on, Lovegrove makes a circus catch every game. Yeah. Corby comes down a 50-50 ball every game. Um, and they just break tackles like it's like it's no one's business. They'll they'll take a hook f- thirty five yards. Um, and so I think from a from a work ethic standpoint, like yeah, those guys those guys have I think different things that motivate them. I think they're both trying to kind of um, they're both going to be at East West this year. Yeah, and watch out like you're you're gonna <laughs> you're, you're you're gonna see you're gonna see some stuff from both of them. Um, but yeah, I think like Will's sort of been um, like if again if you know Doug like. It's hard. Like Doug, Doug was a, a really good receiver at, at yeah. Queens, right? Um, and so for Will to kind of uh, like step out of, not to say he was ever in his shadow, but to, like to kind of sort of step out and like prove that man, he's probably one of the best receivers in the league. And Lovegrove, sort of like again, like initially at U of T, I like, kind of got overlooked a bit. And then like one of those hidden players who like when given the opportunity, man, he would just continuously, continuously make plays. Um, and so I think it all kind of came together this year, where man, those two guys just like anything i threw their way it was just like I, I was so confident that they catch it and they made me look good a lot of the time man that's just yeah it's just crazy three players have their breakout year and like all yeah, that yeah, once, yeah, right? yeah you don't see that you don't, you see, don't that see that you don't yeah. see that it's, it's amazing it's amazing um but like i said like like we we're talking about 
it's your time, right? Like, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. You, you go through your trials and tribulations, and then your yeah. time comes, and then everything just falls into place, right? And like like we talked about, hopefully the best is yet to come. You personally, what are you trying to add to your arsenal going into next year? Because looking at you now, you're, you're, you look like a pocket guy, right? But a lot of people don't know this, but you had 400-plus rushing yards this year. Yeah. Right? A lot of people don't know this, right? Yeah, yeah. So, quietly. Yeah, quietly, mm-hmm. right? You quietly had 400-plus, yeah, like 462, something like that. But um, what are you trying to add most to your game going into what could be your fifth year? Let's say, like, you don't get that CFL opportunity yet. Sure. I'm going to say I'm gonna say yet. Sure. Because it's coming. Um, All right, so. So I think, like, you, you brought up a good point with uh, – with, with with like sort of being a dual threat guy, um, I've always seen myself as a dual threat guy. I think like I've got a couple like hundred plus yards rushing games uh, this year, but I don't think that's I think I think they I think that's like already known. I think like I'm comfortable with that part of my game. I think um, like reading out the stats, my completion percentage isn't great. Fifty four percent is not good, and I think a lot of that's offensively schemed. Like we did throw the ball deep a lot, so when you're throwing like throwing the ball deep every play, it's your completion percentage is going to be a bit lower. Um, so I think for me, I think it's like the consistency, play in, play out, um, and just to show sort of CFL scouts and, and coaches that I'm not just like a deep thrower. I'm not just like this, I'm either going to run the ball or I'm going to throw the ball deep. Like it's not, it's like I, I'm refined, like I'm a pocket passer. I'm able to sort of complete the ball efficiently. So I think like this season being like an efficient pocket passer who has the ability to break down defenses with his legs I think that's like ex- exactly where I want to be, um, and I think I'm I'm pretty close to being there. But I do think I could be more efficient, and I think um, that'll be reflected in my completion percentage. Yeah, I think uh, and truly, if there's anyone that tries to even make an argument to to put a knock on you, they look yeah, they, they look at that. Uh, completion that's where you percentage. start, right? Yeah, and I get it. You start. Yeah. You try to dismantle it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I get it. I'm all for it. But if if you look at the if you look at how our offense was designed this year, like we're not just throwing flats and, 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 and hooks all game. So when you're throwing the ball 15 plus, like that's just simple statistics. Like yeah. your, your, your likelihood of getting a completion goes yeah. down. Um, and so that's why like the numbers were, were high, but the completion percentage was low. It's because we're, we're, we're taking, sure we're taking bigger this, shots. But like you probably led the league in 20 plus yard completions. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, and so that's like where we were, were like, we weren't very, uh, afraid to kind of like push the envelope on teams like if we saw a weakness we were going to exploit it and we would do things like over and over again if like we see the verticals are open every single play we would do it every single play there's a there's a clip against if you watch the windsor film (laughs) we throw a fade to corby every single play (laughs) for like six straight plays like we don't care oh my god we don't care nothing to lose if you're gonna (laughs) if you're gonna leave will corby on an island one-on-one like you're like you're it's not it's bad news and he had like he had like 280 yard touch 80 80 plus yard touch in a second oh my gosh and so like okay sure we might have completed two out of six but like that's a 33 percent completion percentage but that's 180 yards passing and two touchdowns so it's like you pick your poison your completion percentage is low but like we're gonna have yeah. big, we're gonna yeah. have big play touchdowns, right? And so that's where like our offense is a little unique. Where like, if you show us a hint of weakness, like we're not gonna be we're not gonna be sly about it. Like we're gonna sort of like wherever you're weak, like we're gonna make you feel it. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that, that's just hilarious. Six straight times. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, man. There's there's a couple games where you turn it on, like it's no secret what we're doing. Yeah, like it's just our guys are be- like. In that case, like Will is better than your whoever the hell you have covering him, and we're confident that like he'll come down with the ball. If you're gonna leave him one on one, like you better put your safety over there. 
damn talk about mama mentality man yeah. talk about mama mentality yeah. r.a.p kobe yeah, but um yo that's crazy but no that's that's like 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 you said again with nothing to lose Yo, if you see one weakness, you're just gonna abuse that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. That's just straight up. That's just straight up. It's no BS. You're not gonna, yeah, you're not gonna make. You're not gonna make it like any secret or anything like that. Nah. Hey, you better change that right now. Either adjust, yeah. either adjust, or we'll make you. That's proper. No, I rate <laughs> that. I rate that. No, but that's great. So, in terms of defense, because you talk about the Windsor defense, right? You talk about throwing six straight times to Will Court, be yeah. down the field. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna exit from this conversation. Okay. Sure. What defense did you game plan for the most? Like, what was the hardest defense that you prepped for? Coming into the season, what was the defense that really had you say, "Okay, I really need to be on my toes"? It's, a, it's always Mac. I feel like for me every year, Mac that they just do a lot of different things um, that you don't really see conventionally. Um, they hide things well. They, they you never really know when they're coming and when they're not. Yeah. So that kind of thing, like you always put a lot more preparation within. There's some special packages that go in. Um, I'd say. This year, Carlton did some weird stuff to us too um, that we didn't really see. I think teams started to they started to understand that like we weren't running the ball very much, yeah, and they kind of dared us to run, um, and so it worked for defenses sometimes. It it did, but um, you're gonna get you're gonna get exploited in the run game uh, eventually. So um, I think Mac had a good game plan against us. They executed well. I think we. That game was more self-inflicted wounds for us, but uh, always pre- prepping for them has always been like it, it, it's a bit more of a headache than most defenses, just because they do so many different things and and they're so. Uh, I think they're they're very well disciplined. They're 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 coached really well. I think yeah. that's like the biggest thing with Mac is they're coached so well. Um, and they had like this year like they had athletes on the back end like throwing like our boundary was awesome with like Lovegrove and Corby, but those that their their boundary had. Um, which was Hallett, and and uh, the, the the boundary corner was also good, um, and so that was like a good matchup for them and for us as well. So that was like kind of one of those things. But um, I'd I'd say Mac is probably that defense that you're always like a little like I'm not surprised to hear you say that because yeah. Mac we saw what like Mac was kind of that that low key team throughout yeah. the year, right? They were just low key good, low key second seed. Yeah, no one was really taking any like notice of them. Sure. And then in the playoffs, they turned on, and then we saw what they did in the Ace Cup. Their defense basically yeah. ended Western, right? Yeah. They, they their, their defense ended the dynasty, right? Um, so I'm not surprised to hear you say that at all. What was probably the hardest moment in that match game? Because that was a close game. Yeah, right? that was, was, a that close was game. like you said, that was a lot of self-inflicted wounds. So what, what was the hardest moment in that game for you when, when you were kind of like in that close? ending and the, the, you, you were in a position to win the game uh, many times yeah right? like we, we were we were driving we were down by a touchdown and we drove down to their 20 and then we uh we, we stalled at, at the 20 but um i think the hardest thing that game is you got to be patient um with mac you got to be very patient you that's one of those teams where you can't really push the envelope as hard with them because they kind of give things up and you got to be patient and sort of take what they're giving you um because I think uh, I think athletically they're sort of uh, at a higher notch than most other teams, and I think like they they perform their assignments at a higher level. Um, so the hardest thing with that game is like not to get discouraged. Like when you had two and out, like go back to the bench, like what, like look at the iPad, like see what would happen, and like try and adjust. So that game was like a, a, a truly a chess match. I think like from a coaching perspective, um, and so that was the biggest thing. Just like. You sort of knew you were gonna get into a rhythm eventually, yeah. but to not to be discouraged on those two and outs because like it was gonna happen eventually, and like 
when those drives happen, like you need you need to be successful. Like you you can't afford to stall. And that's what I'm talking about, like those moments where it's like that make or break a game. Yeah. Like you we had a touchdown called back that game that we we sent to the OUA and they yeah, it was a touchdown. And they admitted they admitted yeah, it. Yeah, they wrong. admitted a touchdown. Wow. Yeah. So it's like wow. that like in in my eyes like yeah. Wow. yeah right so it's like no one knows that like we if you watch the yeah. tape uh lehman had a catch over hallett and they they called him out of bounds but you watch the film he made that catch over his head and he put one foot in bounds but the refs wow. called it out and that was it so we don't have we don't have video review this is the only way so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, be real. so i'm not gonna blame anyone like that that, that, that stuff happens yeah. but um but yeah so it's like when you have the opportunities to like sort of have those drives that you know are going to be like pretty pivotal in the game like you got you gotta like you gotta you you gotta make a count and i don't think we did we didn't do that that game so okay all right so here we go so uft had their breakout year this year um we've seen in like every year there's that team that has a breakout year yeah right this year was uft last couple years has been waterloo mm-hmm. right so now looking at the oua landscape who do you think is going to be the breakout team in the 2020 season um let me think i, I would say like to me, man, playing, I don't want to give love to York because you can't <laughs> in my position. But, man, like when we played York this year, like I'm, I always play them and I'm surprised that they don't do better um, because I think like athletically they're, 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 yep. they're there, man. Yep. Like they're there. And I, and I, and I don't really understand what, what the problem is there because I think like they match up well with a lot of teams. And like when I was playing that defense this year, like kudos to them. Like they did a good job. Um, I was one of the better defense I played this year. And like uh, to be honest, like I, I was – I didn't really know. I didn't really know what was going on that game, but um, so they deserve some credit. Do I want to say York is that team? I I don't. I just don't know. Um, I'd say like Queens, but they've kind of had a couple years of you know. But they're coached really well, um, and they have a lot of young talent that I think will kind of they'll they'll kind of step into those roles um, and see some success this year. And that's not like a like a. I know that's not like a huge hot take to be yeah. like Queens is going to be good yeah, again, but yeah. like I think like the last couple of years have kind of been like under the radar, but they've kind of been like middle of the pack. I could see them being like a better team this year. Um, they're just like I, they're kind of experiencing similar things as us, where like they're a bit younger and like uh, they've seen some veteran guys leave the program. But I do think like they will be better in years to come. Yeah, honestly, the hot take is what you touched on York. Yeah, man. Like York, yeah. realistically. I've always been a firm believer that York has always had one of the most athletic teams in the league. Yeah. Always, mm-hmm. right? And so when you look at the amount of, like, just star power athletically that they have on their team, and then you look at the results, it doesn't match it, up. It, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what, what exactly. what's, what's going on. What's yeah. the, it really does. It really does make you wonder what's going on. What's actually going on, we don't know, Yeah. right? But whatever it is, whether it's going to get cleared up or not, we'll see. But um, honestly, for York, I don't really know, like, it's going to be a new era for them, right? Because they lost. They, now they have no hunchacks, right? Colton's gone. Brett's gone. Yeah. Right? I don't know who's going to take uh, Maybe it's going to be the coach's son. Uh, Noah Craney. Yeah, I think they got the coach's son at quarterback now. But, um, like, that's going to be a, an interesting take. I think, like, Yeah, that's where it's like, era. I don't want to say, I don't want to give them the credit of being, like, the team. Because uh, I, I they, like you said, like, I think they yeah. I think they had their, their, their window with the hunchacks. Like, Brett's amazing to watch. And Colton was a stud, right? So, but yeah, man, like the, the defensively, they're they're there. But um, yeah, I think I, I don't know if I should necessarily crown them as like the next team. That's where I'm kind of wavering towards Queens. I would say more so. Also, I guess as a UFT guy, like 
It's hard you, to say. You don't want your I'm, I'm obviously reluctant <laughs> yeah. to give credit. Yeah. Right? No, no way. Okay, so, Emad, let's talk with Clay about. We talked. We talked a lot about football. Let's talk with Clay about life after football, right? I mean, being in university, your final year is like. There's no guarantee. Yeah. Right. You know, tomorrow in football is not guaranteed. Emad, talk Clay with a little bit about what the future after football looks like. So you told us that you study business at UFT. Yeah. Where, if, if CFL or, if CFL doesn't work out with, for you. Sure. Um, where do you see yourself uh, going? Man, that's, that's, that's the $10 million question right there. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really know yet. And I think like a lot of kids my age, like, uh, give off the illusion that they know and they might very well do. Um, Honestly, man, like I don't really know. All I know is that I'm gonna graduate with a with a with a good degree, and I have connections in business that I think like I'm gonna try and leverage and hopefully sort of see where that takes me. But I'm kind of okay with being like I don't want to say lost. I'm not like I'm 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 like a I'm I'm wandering a little bit, but I'm not really sure where I see myself yet, and I think I'm still on that sort of. Um, that like path to kind of like discovering like what interests me and like you kind of think going to university that like by my fourth year I'd sort of understand that hasn't really yet I think I can like eliminate some things like I don't see myself going into like accounting for example and being an accountant um, I do think like I kind of need like the the energy and like something to that sort of keeps me going and I don't really know what that thing is yet um, but whatever it is I'm going to put my heart and soul into it um it's just happened to be that football has been that thing right so whatever it is my energy will go into it and that'll become my new sort of like football right um but yeah i don't i don't know yet and i'm okay with not really knowing it's hard to tell too because you're you're a student athlete and most of your time is occupied by books or football sure and so like I've, i've had like summer internships like working for example and like uh, for like a couple like financial firms and like stuff like that. Like I've, I've worked in like an advertising firm last summer, for example. Um, so like that stuff's cool. There's parts of the job I like. There's parts that I could see myself doing, but like I'd be lying to you if I said like, oh, I'm going to be doing this, this, and this. Like I have no idea. And I think like most kids who like, especially in like business school, like, like especially where I am, like a lot of kids are so like set on these like predestined like paths that they're set on when you go to business school that they kind of like, but like go to finance, like go work in banking, like all these things that are so structured. And like, I don't know if I necessarily see myself doing those things. I think I kind of have like a unique um, story, and like I think my my skills are different than most of those kids. Um, so I don't I don't really know yet, um, and I'm completely like fine with that for now. You know. I read it. I read it. I read it. Honestly, no. Like, yeah, this is coming from, and this is coming from someone that goes to a prestigious school, right? You see what I'm saying? Going to U of T, there's always that prestige with it. Um, and it just goes to show it's not easy, no, right? Knowing what you want to do anyone, after, yeah. no matter where you go, right? You can go to the, the prestigious of the prestigious schools and it's still it's still not easy, right? So honestly, I, I ain't got no I ain't got no doubts. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But next, on this show, we talk about OUA football. But we also talk about NFL football. <laughs> okay, hold up, 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 hold up. Clay, who you got tomorrow? There is a wrong answer, by the No, way. there's no... No, 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 no. There is a wrong answer. No. <laughs> I just want to play. 
Okay, hold on, hold on. Clay. I'm going to go on the record and say I got the Chiefs. You got the Chiefs? Okay. Help me, help me, help me. That was the wrong answer. Okay, hold on. Yo, we got a quarterback in the studio, Emad. We got a quarterback in the studio. So, Clay, I need your opinion on this. Emad on episode seven of the Persevere podcast. Claim his belief that he thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is next up for GOAT Talk. Clay Sequeira, what is your opinion on this hot take from Emad? I strongly disagree with that Ooh. hot take. No disrespect to Jimmy G. GOAT he Talk. He picked the Chiefs. Obviously, he's going to disagree. I'd be shocked if he agreed. I'd be like, Clay, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, tomorrow I want to see a good run game and good defense. No, I want to see Patty Mahomes sling the, sling the rock for five touchdowns. Um, now I like I like Jimmy G. I think he's like solid, and I still he, he kind of gets that game manager title, right? So it's like I don't I don't I couldn't give him even if he wins tomorrow. Like you're gonna tell me if he wins tomorrow, he throws like for 120 yards a touchdown, and he's like efficient. This isn't Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> oh my I, god! I, I know he's oh Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> you're this right. Is... You're right. He deserves more credit than that. But to give him goat status, like I don't think he's I don't think he's there yet. And like the a Super Bowl would no, I wouldn't give him goat status. He would like, he's enter like, he, the realm. Like he sure would, he'd enter, enter he'd be the like, realm. He'd be the heir to the throne kind of thing. I just yeah. wanna I just wanna go on record and say that I believe Ryan Tannehill is better than okay, Jimmy Garoppolo. Comeback player of the year today. It's all comeback good. player of the year. Ryan Tannehill. One twenty yards. No. Come on. I mean, man. like, what did Jimmy throw for? Like, he threw he like threw seventy seven times. Did what he was asked. I, I, that's to a, do. That, and that's Isn't a, that what I Ryan Tannehill's been doing? Did he lose or win? <laughs> Did he hey, lose it's or okay win? because Jimmy's lose gonna lose win? tomorrow. Jimmy's gonna lose tomorrow. We'll, so, we'll see. Yeah, we gonna, we gonna, we gonna see. We gonna made, see. Like, Man, I'm just excited to see like the, you know the whole narrative between like you need a good run game and you need a good defense to win a Super Bowl. Yes. And it's been historically like that's been the case, but like tomorrow I'm hoping this I'm hoping Patty defense. Mahomes, Patty Mahomes, don't don't. Bring me, don't make me eat my words here. Um, I'm hoping tomorrow is like that first time where it's like this high-powered offense who just like throws the ball all the time and like I don't know. They have a good defense. They have a better defense this year, but like it would kind of go against the traditional narrative of like you need a good run game and a good defense to win a Super this Bowl. This is a top defense. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a top defense. And I this don't is know this what... is an, this is an unprecedentedly like insane offense. So it's like I'm obviously gonna root for the offense. Like. Oh, yeah, he's I'm obviously. So, good. what do you? How do you stop Nick Bosa? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, double, uh, double t- I don't know. I'm assuming you just you you uh, assign the tailback a, a responsibility to to make sure he's doubled at all times. I don't I don't know what the game plan is. Um, I just don't think they've ran into like a, an offense like this. So I'm, if if something if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have uh let's say eighty percent of what he's capable of, oh, they're, oh they're still gonna win. No. Okay. He, oh no, he needs the ball. Okay, I'll agree with that. He needs the ball, but I'm confident he will ball. My thing is this now. Regardless if the 49ers win tomorrow, the only way that I feel Jimmy G enters the realm of goat talk is if it ends up being a shootout, high scoring game, and the Chiefs defense has shut down that 49ers run, and Jimmy G has to win the so game. So what are what are minimum? So minimum passing yards and minimum. No, 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 no. We're not doing. No, I'm saying if it's a high-scoring game, because listen, if 
if it's another situation where Jimmy G's throwing 77 yards, Moster has 240 whatever yards, and he has another NFL record, and you're telling me, hold on, hold on, wait, <laughs> so wait, you wait. Don't my see question is this: NFL record. So hold on, but wait, 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 hold on. So if Moster has an NFL record, you're saying Jimmy G deserves to be in Gold Talk no, for that? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, so a guy has to have an outlier game. Absolutely, because listen, like I said last week on the podcast, Trent Dilfer has a ring. Yeah, but Mostert had an outlier game. But my thing is this: if he look, it's not like this it's is all, always going to happen. It's all about the performance. So if it's yeah, a high, if it's Mo- a high scoring Mostert game, having two hundred plus yards is an outlier. Okay, and yo, hold on, hold on, wait, wait. What I'm saying is this: if Jimmy G does not have a good game, and they still win based on the defense, and then the run game, the strong run game, which you said. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan adopted from his father, and you can plug any running back in there. So that's the same run game that they're going to rely on, mm-hmm. okay? If they use that run game to win with their defense and Jimmy Garoppolo has a mediocre game, does he really deserve to be in the, in the conversation for GOAT Talk? I think if he does what is asked to do in, in the win and depending on how it plays out. And I'm still questioning why you're saying that, yet you don't give Ryan Tannehill credit. He is not. Because <laughs> Ryan Tannehill does the exact same thing. Where, where is Ryan Tannehill now? Going to the award ceremony. Okay. Where is Jimmy G now? Listen, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. If the Titans were playing the Packers in a champion, in a conference championship game, the Titans would be going to the Super Bowl. Any team could be those sorry-ass Packers, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Those Packers are pathetic. I'm yeah. sorry. Are you a Packers fan? No. Okay, no, no, thank no. God. Listen, those Packers are pathetic. They were not a true conference championship team. You know this. I do. That's why I'm not replying. Oh, my God. I love you, Emad, but you know this, man. Just wait till tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. see how it plays out. Don't be shocked when he gets ring number three, and this time it's his ring. But, okay. But do you count those? You don't count those first Okay, two, okay. You? you can't You can't count you can't, those. You can't. It yeah. is ring number three. It's ring number three, right? It's, it'll be, if, you, if they win, his first in the spotlight. Sure, sure. But I'm telling you, man, to get that conversation for GOAT Talk... I, need, we need I to... will not be shocked if he throws for 300 plus. Oh my God. If he throws for 300 plus and a minimum two touchdowns, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay, you heard it here. Okay, so what if Patty Mahomes wins? Did you put him into GOAT talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes is like, he's a guy. Okay. <laughs> it's not like a... <laughs> But I don't think Patrick Mahomes will win tomorrow. He has Andy Reid on it, coaching. Him. Nah, we're doing this for Andy Reid. Andy Reid's going to get his first ring. Yeah, yeah. Right no. Oh my goodness! Okay, I... <laughs> you, y'all, y'all heard it on the Persevere podcast. <laughs> okay, so Clay got Chiefs. We know who Emad got. Okay, been known. <laughs> I got, I got Chiefs. So you got the two, you got the one. We gonna see how it goes. We gonna see how it goes. Why is um, everybody bullish on the Chiefs? Like, I don't get how this offense will beat this defense. I don't understand. What? I don't understand how this offense will beat this defense. Can you explain? I, I I see. Offensive guys, can you explain to me? Oh, I'm a defensive guy now, but I used to be an offensive guy. But I, I listen, I see clearly Patrick Mahomes is, is something that we've never seen before. Chiefs it, will spot the Niners at least 10 points because that's what oh they do my. in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, that's what they do to start the game. And you you're going to spot the Niners 10 points? It's just like I the way I look at it, Chiefs offense, like it's like where do you divert your attention to? It's like, okay, you want to double Kelsey? You, like Then you leave like one-on-ones with like, with Hill down the middle, Hill Hardiman, like those guys are, f- they're uh, unprecedentedly fast. So it's like, how are you going to cover these guys down the field when you're doubling Travis Kelsey? Okay, you don't want to double Kelsey, double Hill. Just don't put Sherman on Hill. 
Yeah. That's all I'm don't talking about. Oh, I, think that's it. I think that's the over. Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Well, I think it's bad news for Sherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sherman 100%. Has, yeah. Sherman has to move away. Yeah, I don't think he'll travel. He I think, he I think Sherman, travels, no, he never travels, yeah. right? Like, and they zone yeah. up a lot. And, like, Mahomes has the arm to, to break these, like, zone defenses. He has a good enough armor. He, he Obviously, he'll win on man, but he has the arm to break zones. That's what people, like, that's where I see Mahomes. Like, that's why I'm so bullish on him winning is that his arm talent is he puts balls in places that no one else there's can. So much pressure on this guy, and none. There's not enough pressure on Jimmy G. Oh my gosh, Clay! You know what he's trying to say? He's trying to bring up now your reasoning when you went to East West. There's no pressure <laughs> on you. That's I like that. I like that. I like that. I like it. Full circle. That's his I like it. I'm long nighters now. Oh my god! I told you there's a wrong answer. Now you see it. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's good. That's good. That was a good one. That was a good one. I'm not gonna lie about that. I'm not gonna lie. So basically, you're saying now, Jimmy G. Like realistically, I agree with you. Like he doesn't really have anything to lose. Like he doesn't. Like he's not. I mean, yeah, he's a big money quarterback, but he's not like a big name Everybody's quarterback. Everybody's going to say, oh, it was the defense. Oh, it was Kyle Shanahan. Oh, it was the running game. Oh, it was the O-line. Oh, it was Jimmy G. Because that's how it is. I'm sorry. Let's, let's see what happens. Okay. Let's see. All right, you know what? I can't wait. I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. We're going to be live tweeting the game at Persevere underscore on Twitter if you have Twitter, if you're a Twitter person. So please look out for that. Um, honestly, I think we've run out of time. That's us. That's us. Yo, Clay, I want to thank you, brother. For hey, coming on the thank you guys podcast. for having me. That was fun. Honestly, it's been it's been a pleasure. So much, and you know, hopefully we can do this again in the near future, man. Definitely down the line. Um, and yo, honestly, at the end of the day, we're gonna be like tracking you throughout the offseason. We want to keep up with you. You know, at the end of the day, you come on this podcast. You're a part of the family. We're rooting for you. I appreciate you know that. What I'm saying man. so. We're looking forward to seeing you at the combine. Um, sitting down, you get an, an interview there after you know you you torn it up because you know we have no faith. We have no doubt in that. But thank you for your time so much. All right, appreciate it. Nah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. So, Emad, sign us out.